0: University of Utah Health. Caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. And now,
1: it's 10 a.m. Let's just get down to it. And it's time for your sports fix. Strap yourselves in, folks. From two guys who have covered the teams you're passionate about for years. We are professionals. This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com.
2: Jacob Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Jeez, Ben, what'd you Why'd we start the show? I'm oh, just getting my coat off. Chat less Jeez, and get ready Megan. for the show more. Jeez, chatty Kathy over here. Can't uh, chew gum and talk to David James at the same time. You really can't.
3: not enough mouth space. Well, actually, you can. You can probably, as long as you're chewing the gum, because David will talk.
2: Right, so what are you doing while while David's doing all that talking? Well, just he's, like, standing he's broadcast there. from my side.
3: You're on the empty side. I am on the empty side. He's on my side, so I need to clear out room
2: first. And PK is a little bit better at we well, can't clear, wait to lead clearing out. Yeah, <laughs> DJ wants to chill, get a Facebook up, yep. you know, something like that. Chat a little bit. It's all right. That's why we love DJ. It's why DJ. That's why is we love DJ, and nobody likes PK. <laughs> nobody. Is that what you're saying. Who's the, who's the, you're, you're kind of the most, well, one of the most recent aboard with the staff. Who would you say is the least popular? Here? Here. Uh, yeah, we'll just say PK. What? You were going to say me. I wasn't going to say you. I was not going to say because you. Because the answer is Lloyd. But you were going to say me. That's not very nice. No. Who I were wasn't. you going to say? Hatch? Uh, miracle Megan. I was going to say Megan. That's I was going to dump it all on Megan. Megan? Everybody likes Megan. <laughs> everyone loves
3: Megan. Yeah. So I was just going to find somebody that everyone likes and dump it on them to avoid answering the question.
2: Megan does like three jobs around here. Everybody Megan loves Megan. Megan does three jobs. Everybody. It sounds like everywhere in her life <laughs> that I've learned. There's lots of people who depend on Megan. Correct. Yeah. Megan is keeping a
3: lot of worlds spinning at like yes. like So we're very grateful for her. That we are. She gives us some of her time. That's why she's very
2: popular. Correct. It's because she does a lot for everybody. Yeah. It's PK. Nobody likes What was going to be your answer? Now I just want to know. We'll talk about it off the radio. Well, t- t- what good is that? <laughs> I can keep my job. <laughs> People can't listen to that. Oh, you
3: were going to say Scotty? <laughs> You're just going to name everybody <laughs> to make it seem like I'm talking about somebody. You're just going to name everybody to make it seem like I'm saying something bad, so I'm going to get fired, because then well,
2: every person listening is going to be like, Ben doesn't like Scotty. I know. Ben doesn't like his boss, Nate. I know you weren't going to say Hans because that could result yeah, nobody in nobody likes Hans. That could result in likes Bodily harm. It's me. Nobody likes me, Jake. Nobody oh, likes speaking me. of Hans, nobody likes me. Uh, apparently, and I was uh, listening to the uh, the David Locke broadcast mm. last night. Mm-hmm. I was not listening to the television broadcast, but I did get a text from our guy Hans, who said uh, apparently. Holly Rowe was listening to our show and disagrees with us. Oh, what did she say? Uh, let's see. Uh, she said that she was listening to Sports Talk Radio here today. That's us. And I won't say who, but the two guys were talking specifically about Markinen and how he hasn't developed to his potential. I couldn't disagree more with huh. them. He's grown into an incredible baller. Yeah, he I don't can know play. if that's word for word, but that's what. No, he can play. That's what. Uh,
3: but do. no, he's not become the guy coming out of Arizona that I think I thought he was going to become. Certainly, when he ended up being, what was he, a number seven overall pick? I thought he'd be better than he is. He's fine, but I thought he'd be better than he is. I thought he would be more the Boyan Bogdanovich type, and Boyan, I think at this point it's fair to say, is still better than than Laurie Markin.
2: Uh, yeah, but I I thought that was cool. She can disagree with us. I yeah, for mind. sure, Holly. That's why are we doing radio? Yeah, uh We've uh, got a, a wonderfully qualified opinion, probably more so than no, mine. No, we love her. But, uh, She's one of our very first guests we ever had on the show. Uh, that is true. But, yeah, I don't I don't think Laurie Markinens lived up to his potential. I, I'm, I'm no. feeling pretty confident about that opinion. He, no. had, he had a great night last night because he was playing against people who were nearly a foot shorter than him.
3: Well, maybe but, that's an unfair uh, expectation, but what's your expectation for a player you draft in the lottery of the top ten? Because I would say most fans would say, especially a one-and-done kid... The expectation is probably to be an all-star, right? Uh, you draft a player top 10. You lose an entire season to end up with a top 10 pick. Yeah, and yeah. especially a one-and-done kid who you're drafting off their potential to reach something more than they were coming out of college. I think the expectation is probably an all-star game. I think that's pretty fair. Now, oh. realistically, is that the case? No, the numbers say that's not the case. But you are hoping you hit that home run.
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, is that fair given how many top 10 picks don't reach that
3: my brother's listening. He's in California right now, and he's listening. And He says he heard that part also last night because he was watching the game. Oh, I see. So, right. He also heard that. Apparently, well,
2: you know, when world famous celebrities listen to the show, it makes you feel pretty good, even when they're disagreeing. He's with not him. world famous. No, not no, no, no. Well, I'm talking about you your talking about celebrity Holly? brother. Oh, too Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking
3: about. Yeah, no, my brother's not world famous. <laughs> uh, Holly well, Rowe is more famous than my brother. But Holly Rowe was interviewing the you know national, national championship yeah. MVP right after the game. Holly Rowe, no super offense famous.
2: to no offense to Joe. But I think it's cool your brother's listening. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool he's listening online. I'm yeah. sure he goes to has the app or goes to kslsports.com. Shout out to your brother. Yeah, it's, it's great to have family support. My family often is listens. your brother listening. Uh, I doubt it, <laughs> but he does. Uh, you know, he's he's working. I suppose. Yeah. My 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 parents listen a lot. Oh, my, my mother specifically listens a lot. Oh, that's nice. But see, it it works out. Well, because they're both really big sports fans, so they also enjoy Wait, the Wait, by comments, the way, Holly, content.
3: Holly, if you're listening to our show, don't say you're not going to say who, say who. Say who, Say please. I was listening to Jake and Ben in the afternoon with Miracle Megan from 10 to noon on 97.5 and twelve eighty in the zone, and I do it religiously to get the best sports takes in the state of Utah. In fact, the only ones that matter, if you're asking me, and I disagree with them. Do that next time, Holly. We're Please. saying your row. We're saying your name. Excuse me. We're not going to say. We're not going to say which of the females on the jazz broadcast didn't. We're not going to say who, but we'll just say what their opinion was. Give us a shout
2: out, Holly. Yeah. We love Holly. Yeah, disagree. I now, sit next to her all the time at jazz practice. Now, if you're going to like throw out an insult after saying you were listening to sports radio, you know what? All then, publicity then... is good publicity. I'll take it. Insult me. Even if she called you brainless or something, that would even better.
3: <laughs> Tune into Brainless Ben.
2: Brainless oh. Ben and Jake in the afternoon. Oh, man. But yeah, Laurie Markin, and I don't know. A lot of potential I there. Dis- I disagree with Holly. I disagree with Holly as well. But he's found a nice spot for himself in Cleveland.
3: Yes. That's great. No, Cleveland's good. Cleveland's a very good team. Quinn Slater said it yesterday before the game. He said, you know, if you're not giving Cleveland attention, that's probably a you problem. Essentially, he was the like, who's not giving Cleveland attention if they are? Because if, they're, if you're not going to give them attention because of the name of the team, it's just it's silly. It's easy to watch them and see how good they are.
2: Uh, let's talk about last night's game, Ben. Let's, let's get into it. Where, where would you like to start? Because there were a number of different things, certainly, that we could touch on. How about this? I, Donovan led with this, and I thought he was right. Jazz had a tough loss, but they played hard. I mean they they did. They went out and played hard. It got away from them in the second half and I mean circumstances were were really tough on the Jazz last night, but I didn't think I didn't think effort was an issue. What I wrote about last night at kslsports.com
3: is that I do think the Jazz have some chops with some small ball lineups essentially, and I think Eric Pascal's even showing he might be a weapon. Now, good for EP because he was okay to start the year. I didn't think he was quite as good as a lot of jazz fans thought he was. And then I understood completely why he was out of the rotation because his plus minus numbers were basically the only negatives on the team and it was bringing that Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley lineup down. And that was the lineup that the Jazz needed to be elite because that's how they were so good last year. So when Eric Pascal is dragging that down, that's a bad thing. Now, that's not Eric Pascal's fault. Again, you and I have talked about this. You can't put people in situations where they have no chance of succeeding. You throw somebody into a job that they don't know what they're doing, and it's obvious to everybody, that's not that person's fault. That's the person's fault who put them in that situation. So, when you put Eric Paschal out there to be a floor spacer, and he's a career 28% three-point shooter, guess what he can't do? He doesn't shoot threes. He's going to make Rudy Gobert look bad because there's no space for Rudy Gobert to operate because you can cheat off of Eric Paschal. But... When you have small defenses, switchy defenses, defenses that feel like they can guard you one-on-one and aren't dropping a big, whatever you want to do, and Eric Pascal says, well, you know what? That's a mismatch for me. I don't care if it's Evan Mobley or Laurie Markkinen or Jared Allen. I'm 6'6". Six six. I'm really strong. I get incredible leverage getting underneath you, and I can literally dribble into you, push you away, and then make space by going up your chest and getting a layup which is what he did which is yep. how he started the game 7 for 7 yep. those are chops that's a real skill that he has that I don't know if anyone else on the Jazz has that other than Donovan Mitchell Donovan Mitchell does it but you also don't want him doing it against 7 footers all night long you can actually get away with that for a little bit with Eric Paschal and Donovan Mitchell's never going to be your small ball 5 but Eric Paschal can be yep. so I thought what you learned last night and you learned it in the Toronto game even though that was such a weird game because really nobody was but playing. he was great he was great he was great you can do that. So maybe he has some chops as a small ball five in these rotations, and yet yeah, was bad to start the year. But as you've seen the team play more with it with Rudy Gay, maybe Rudy Gay's not even the answer there. Maybe Eric Paschal is the guy you want to play at the five. And he was a weapon last night. And you, don't, you can't do it for 36 minutes. That's bizarre. But he's a, he's a change of pace guy. You can do it for five minutes. You can do it for four minutes. And look, you do that two or three times in a playoff series, and you win those minutes, I promise you the other coach is going to stop throwing out that lineup to try and screw with you. Because if you're beating them every time, they understand every game matters at that point. Every minute matters at that point. And if Eric Pascal's beating you, they're going to stop doing that, which allows you to put Rudy Gobert back on the floor, which is really the ultimate goal is to have Gobert out there as much as possible. I'll
2: shut up. I'm sorry. I talked a lot there. No, that was. But that uh, was my take. I, I think you're on the money. Go to kslsports.com and uh, catch Ben's piece. I, I, I totally agree. I like Paschal. Yep. We've talked about this before. Uh, I like the concept Of Pascal. I think it's great. Big, strong player, plays tough. I think you're 100% right about how to break up a a switchy D. We'll get somebody switched onto Eric Pascal and then just let him. Or don't let him switch. Yeah. I mean, the best way to break a switchy D is don't let him
3: switch, which is just isolate. So. I was watching the Memphis Grizzlies-Golden State Warriors game, so let's get a little geeky with basketball. Golden State kills the Jazz because they rotate everything, right? They switch everything. Uh, and the Jazz just have no idea how to penetrate against it, and then they don't get lobs for Rudy Gobert. It's just a chaos. It's, it's a bad, bad, bad matchup for the Jazz. But I was watching Memphis, and what does Memphis never have to do? They never have to, they never have to pass the ball. Because John Moran is so unbelievably fast with the ball in his hands that he can beat any player on earth off the dribble. Lou Dort... Marcus Smart, Jeremy Grant, whatever. Find your favorite wing defender. He's going right by them. Jaw's going to go right by them. He's so fast. He's so so slick. He's so long. He gets by every single person. Now, against the Jazz, it's not as good because who's waiting back at the rim for him? And we saw it with one of the best rejections I've ever seen in my life. Rudy Gobert will destroy you if you try and attack the rim over and over and over. Rudy Gobert's going to win that matchup. You might get a layup. You might get a couple of dunks. But... Over a long enough period of time, Rudy Gobert is going to win that matchup right now because he's the best defensive player in the world. Golden State, I don't care. And they didn't actually have Draymond in this game, so that will change it. But they don't have a rim protector. So what happens when you don't have a rim protector against John Morant? He gets to the paint and he goes to the free throw line or he dunks on you and he embarrasses you. And he was embarrassing Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson, whoever they threw at him, Gary Payton Jr., it did not matter. He got to the rim every single time. But you can beat a switchy defense like Golden State if you just get downhill every time and never let them switch. It doesn't, it negates their strength. The Jazz can negate strength if you have a big man like Eric Paschal who doesn't draw a switch, who can just attack a Jared Allen or a Laurie Markin or an, even a Nevin Mobley, who's an incredible defensive player. We talked about that yesterday. That's a real strong value for the Jazz if you find situations where you need that. Now my question becomes, and I wrote about this last night as well, you can do it against seven-footers. Does it work against Draymond Green? Does it work against some of these smaller defenders? Because what Golden State will do is they'll put Clay Thompson on Eric Paschal, and then does he have an advantage? He's got to show then that the strength is enough to get him down there and get him into the paint where he can still have success. If he can't beat smaller defenders, too, then you can't use him. But he can certainly beat bigger defenders, which is which is intriguing. That's, that's, that's a weapon if the Jazz find themselves going up against a team that tries to play big. The problem is most
2: teams don't try to do that. So... Can I tell you my favorite part of the night? Last night, it came in the post game. Okay. It came during Donovan Mitchell's availability. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a, a comparative scenario here. Can you imagine if you were baking a cake, Ben, and uh, as you were getting uh, eggs out of the carton to put into your batter, and you just dropped the egg on the ground, mm-hmm. and somebody, well, let's say you dropped all the eggs on the ground. And somebody came into the kitchen and goes, "Jeez, Ben, did you know you needed eggs to make a cake? <laughs> or do you know who's good at carrying <laughs> eggs? <laughs> so last night in the postgame, Donovan Mitchell was asked, hey, are you guys just now discovering how important Rudy Gobert is to the team? And he, Donovan was like, no, nah, man, I've played with him for a while. <laughs> I, know, I know how important he is to the team. And Donovan kind of pushed back, and I think he was a, he was a little grumpy about it, but it's almost insulting, Right. It's like, did you realize how how important he is to how well you guys play? Uh, but that was probably my favorite moment. I don't know if we can unearth that uh, that sound, but uh, Rudy Gobert is this just in Ben? He's important to the team, yeah. And, and, and you and know what, what they do, and Donovan's a better player because Rudy plays, and it, it the whole team's better. The Mike's better. Mike's, way, Mike's better. way better. Joe when Rudy is way plays. better. I mean, the the screens, uh, no, let's take out his defense for a second. The screen and roll threat alone requires so much gravity, it gets everybody else open shots. Anyway. Uh Now you're exactly
3: right. Rudy's Rudy, Rudy is, he's not We've just, known that I mean, For a while though we, you, you talk about him Being a vertical spacer Or his ability to run the rim And the space that creates It is It's true And you absolutely saw it Last night When, Or you know, the last three nights Four nights When he hasn't been out there Your meme remains accurate
2: About Correct. Mike Conley you,
3: you gotta have space You gotta have space And Rudy Gobert creates it But yes uh, Donovan was asked After the game like, Are you now getting A better appreciation Of how good Rudy Gobert is And you know what I thought Well I'll, I'll cut the sound And I'll pull it for you We can play it coming up In the next segment Megan uh,
2: I thought Donovan Handel it pretty well oh he, donovan yeah he handled it great yeah but of course he knows of course he knows how good rudy is yeah and how important rudy is yeah yes
3: and 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 I, good for him for saying it good for him for not being like next question because there are some guys who would have next questioned that sure that question specifically and he said we know how good he is we've been with out there for a long time we know what happens when he's not out there yes
2: we need rudy go back. man i thought that dude sucked before <laughs> But now, geez, that I have a new You know, all those all those uh, all star voters were onto something. This uh, this Rudy Gobert uh, knows what he's doing. Uh, but I felt like there was a, a significantly different tone in the post game. Uh, to circle it around to the post game, there was after the Detroit game, for example. Which this was another bad loss, but Cleveland is a good team, and I felt like the Jazz gave it all they had in poor circumstances and came up short. Nobody was happy, Ben, but I mean even to Jordan Clarkson who jumped on the the post game late, he was kind of a sub for Joe Ingles who didn't want to chat and uh Jordan was as and and he's kind of always this way, but he was he was cool and he was I guess, realistic, for lack of a better term. He described uh, the way they played at the beginning of the third quarter as dusty, which I thought yeah, was, funny. was pretty hilarious. Where he's like, hey, we were playing well, and we came out in the third, and we were a little dusty. And that's totally true. And by the time the fourth quarter came around, the, the game was over. So
3: Yes, the Jazz competed realistically for the first half, and I thought that was promising. And then they just honestly didn't have the horses. It just was not... I don't want to say it's not fair, because it's a professional basketball game, but you got nine guys from any roster, including all 48 minutes at center. But those
2: nine guys.
3: Yes, specifically those guys. Specifically against Against that team, you're going to really find yourself in trouble.
2: we were talking about embarrassment uh, before the show. Embarrassing when we've been embarrassed in our lives. What happened against Detroit was embarrassing. Correct. You're up 22. What happened last night against Cleveland was circumstantial. What happened against Toronto, circumstantial. And the only way they were going to win that game is if Bogdanovich and Donovan Mitchell went in Fuego and both scored 70 points between them. And that didn't happen. Right. And Mike Conley only had 12. I mean, so if you tell me that those three players had a tough night score in the basketball, well, yeah. yeah. And you were missing all of your centers against the Cavs specifically. Well, yeah, you're going to lose by 20. But against Detroit... Uh uh-uh. uh, against Indiana, uh uh-uh. uh, because they had the the they had the bodies to win those two games against those two teams. Cleveland was that was not the that was not the same loss.
3: And look, if there's a criticism that can be leveled against Quinn Snyder, which I've seen a lot on social media, it's that he's not willing to try a lot of different things. He's not willing to go out and be ultra-creative with his lineups because his lineup that has Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert in it really works. His lineups that have Donovan Mitchell in them really work. So he tries to stick with his nine-man rotation and he's pretty strict with it. And... The Jazz have been relatively healthy for a couple of years, so he hasn't had to mix in a lot of the young guys on his roster if he doesn't want to. Now, I don't think it's totally fair because they acquired Jordan Clarkson and immediately changed their image, but I understand why this argument has been leveled against Quinn Snyder when you watch other teams around the NBA, and they will take a quarter where they'll throw a young player out there and just say, you're going to sink or swim and we're going to try it. And Quinn hasn't done that as much. I do like that over the last four games, he has not had a choice on some of these things, so we had to see a small ball lineup last night because necessity is the mother of invention, and maybe you learn something that can be of value later in the season where you learn there's a way to use Eric Pascal that was different than how you were using him to start the year, and maybe that ends up paying off. So I do think there's some value to what we saw last night. I don't care about the loss necessarily, but I do also understand why Jazz fans were frustrated last night because it hurts to lose four games in a row. It's not, that's not a good feeling.
2: I'm going to speak in blanket statements here, Ben. All coaches are way too conservative. And you know why all coaches are way too conservative? Because the morons complaining – not morons. I'm sorry. That was too extreme. I don't want I was rolling. I apologize. Whoa. No, the people out there complaining about Coach Snyder not taking chances are the same people who would complain about – Uh, him changing it up and it failing oh well and also like what like them now calling Quinn moron what kind of moron would even try that of course that's going to be a disaster but that's
3: also the same guy that would be like what if you ran out an entire lineup of point guards like just
2: spitball in here what if you just played all guards in a lineup like I bet that would work and then you do that and you're like that didn't work you know what's not controversial Ben punting you know why coaches, uh, football coaches punt all the time? Because you can't second guess a punt. Correct. Ninety-five percent of the time, you can't neutral. second guess a punt. It's a pretty neutral it's play. Conservative. You didn't lose the game by punting it for the most part. Yeah. You know, you lose the game by saying, let's see what happens when we give Jared Butler 25 minutes tonight. Right. That's how you lose the game. Going for fourth and one, backed up on
3: your own eight-yard line.
2: (laughs) You know how you lose a job? By losing games. And then we criticize coaches. Oh, they're way too conservative. Of course they're way too conservative. Correct. The stakes are too high. Correct. And you're too noisy. Yes. Yes. He, yes. he doesn't want to hear about it. He doesn't want to read in the newspaper the next day, because this is 1985 again, read in the newspaper the next day that, boy, the bozo coach takes a chance and fails miserably. Correct.
3: I'm with you. I'm with you.
2: So I'm, you wonder why coaches are incredibly conservative all of the time. You know, you you love those uh, wacko high school coaches that go, well, actually, if you look at the math, go for it, going for it on fourth down every time is actually a smart thing to do. It's not. Because life doesn't happen in a vacuum, right. and because you blow it a certain amount of time, correct, and that's going to get you fired. Correct. Look at the bozo for uh, for the Chargers. Yes, the Chargers right he now should not, are the not have perfect been allowed it. to even leave the stadium with a job because he just blew it. Correct. Blew it. The Chargers the are the example of the. the and I'm an analyst. I like. I believe in the
3: analytics. Obviously, I don't think they're. I think they're as flawed as a lot of different ways we look at the game, but I understand why they've made the important jump into the sports that they have, and they certainly have made the game better. I would never argue against that, but yes, there still feels like sometimes there needs to be some time and a place and the Chargers guy being like, nope, no, never a time and a place. It's always the analytics and then missing the game by or missing the playoffs by
2: a field goal. In overtime. There's some poetic justice there. There's some there's something to enjoy there. I love it that the only reason Tom Thibodeau is a good coach is because he plays his best players okay. more than the other team. Yeah. by
3: the way speaking of Tom <laughs> Thibodeau we do have a trade
2: in the NBA should we talk about that and I'll, I'll pull the Donovan
3: Mitchell Rudy Gobert sound and we can talk about some of the trades in the NBA and why these could uh, start to break
2: loose a couple of uh, a couple of uh, of different trades around the NBA alright stay tuned uh, Jake and Ben we'll have more for you next 97.5 and 1280 The Zone
1: it's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, got it This is your Jazz at 30 update. Ring the 30-point bell. Bell, bell, bell.
2: All right, the Jazz, shorthanded still, lose by 20 last night at home to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Here's Eric Paschal on playing at a size dis, uh, disadvantage last night.
1: Obviously, it's a little difficult. They got like three, seven footage. Again, we go out there, we try to play, try to do the right things. They were just a really big team. So, out to them, they played well. But, I mean, we just got to try to adjust to it just in case it happens again.
2: This update is brought to you by 5 Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with 5 Star Experience. It's 5 Star Painting. They've got time, skills, and tools. 5starpainting.com. That's 5starpainting.com.
1: Than us no your home for the best sports coverage in Utah. You're listening to Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 975 1280 the zone. Powered by Ksl <laughs>
2: 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. It's a great song.
3: Great song. Again, can't hardly wait. We were talking about the movie. This reminds me of always is as, as enjoyable a movie from my childhood as I've seen. Movies that, like, wouldn't make any lists of, like, good movies, and is I would watch it, I'll watch it every year for the rest of my life.
2: See, I was more of a, I liked Dazed and Confused more than I liked Can't Hardly Wait, but basically the same movie.
3: Yeah, but you're older. You're a lot older.
2: Uh, yeah. But like, we'll take a, like a high school, right, with its cliques and groups, and right. we'll take a stereotypical Correct. character from this and, this and this and this and, and this, and no matter who's watching this movie, somebody is watching and goes, I identify with that character, I like this movie. Hundred percent. They oh, did they, it a million times. Oh,
3: you're you're exactly right. Uh what's the old George Lucas movie? American Graffiti. Yep. Oh, I love that movie. But yeah, it's the same thing. It's like well let's get the nerds and the dorks and we'll you know, and the right. cool kids and the, the beautiful people and we'll all mix them together.
2: That movie, American Graffiti a has maybe the best soundtrack ever. Yeah, and two has one of the funniest moments I think in cinema when the nerdy kid goes in to buy whiskey from the store uh-huh. and buys all that like tells the guy like Oh, I have some of that uh, that bubble gum and give me some of those mints back there and uh, uh, old Harper whiskey and uh, a magazine where he just tries to slide, <laughs> slide it, it in. in. <laughs> You know the Simpsons have a pretty good one of those I know. too. Yeah, yeah, when he's buying fireworks <laughs> and he just buys all this vile stuff, and then it says it's fireworks. And Marge tells Homer, "Whatever uh, you've got planned for tonight, count me out." Count me out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the last great high school so movie? Funny, I don't know. I don't watch movies anymore. Yeah. I'm sure there's been. Well, there was like the Project X, right? That was like a big high school
3: party movie. They throw a party at a house. Super bad was obviously kind of very much that classic yep. story too. You uh, I mean the show Euphoria is like. I literally, it's those shows on drugs. That's all it is. It's just kind of crazy. But anyways, good uh, good movie format. The and bre- will always work.
2: The Breakfast Club is probably that movie in its most stripped-down so so serious, too. Yeah. I don't love
3: Breakfast Club. Love no, John Hughes, but that movie's tough. I don't like the Breakfast Club. That movie's Club a little tough really, to watch.
1: We can't be friends anymore, Ben. I mean,
3: it's just hard. It's like it's so serious, and I feel bad for all those kids. And I just want to skate by easily in life like nothing's ever wrong.
2: See... I, I don't like it because it's a it's a bad movie. Like it's not even a realistic interpretation of those types of like it's, correct. It's those are like, like very well such developed. a stereotype. Yes. It's like let, let's stereotype. How many people? five different yeah. five different people and yeah. really like make it cartoonish and and not even have like a plot. It's just these five people happen to be in detention or whatever. I it get is. it.
3: I get why people loved it. I'm sure it was unique at its time. It doesn't hold up, in my opinion.
2: Better Off Dead, same thing. Isn't that a John Hughes, too? Yeah. I mean, his best is Home Alone.
1: Sixteen Candles.
2: Same thing. Mm.
3: That was like, I mean, it's just a very... Why are you pretending like you're Gen X? Why are you pretending like you're born in that generation? Because you're not. You're younger than I am. You're full-on millennial. Yes, but I also went to film school. Oh, did you? Where'd you go to film school? At the U. Oh, good for you. So did my brother. There you go. We got something in common now. What's your favorite movie?
2: Yeah, that and, doesn't and, mean you have to and, like Gen not, X no, movies. No, no, like you can like Gen X movies. Here's what I want from Megan: What do you tell people is your favorite movie mm. after they find out you went to film school? Not what is actually your favorite movie, which is probably like you know can't hardly wait, yeah, you know, something like that. But what <laughs> is like when people you know want your like film school opinion? What do you say? So you're talking like best movie versus favorite? Like movie. my favorite sports movie is Major League. The best sports movie is Raging Bull. Sure,
3: I understand what you're saying. Yeah, what's your favorite movie, Megan? Let me just tell us before Jake's trying to break it down. Jake's trying to corner you.
1: The real answer? Yeah, what's what your fa- just people. whatever
3: your favorite movie is. What's your favorite movie? Is dead silence. Radio's good for silence.
1: <laughs> I don't know. That's a hard
3: question. We're going to
2: come back to you. Okay. Like, We're going to come back to it. People ask you, you know, hey, what's your favorite book? The actual answer is like The Firm or something. But you tell somebody, oh, Heart of Darkness. You know, it's great. Really, uh, the... the <laughs> The language is just beautiful. War and Peace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> David Copperfield. Yeah, Crime and Punishment. Yeah. Just wonderful. I could read it once a year. There's been a trade in the NBA, Jake. Megan,
3: don't think you're off the hook. We're going to come back yeah, to
2: Yeah, I it. want to know our favorite movie. What we're going to come we're,
3: back to we're, we're the end of the hour, so if it's not the end of the segment, make a list. Just put five on there that you think could be considered. You don't even have to narrow it down to one. Put five or three on there that you think could be in the conversation. Jake, you should probably do the same thing. All right. Uh, all right, Cam Reddish. From the Atlanta Hawks, has been traded to the New York Knicks uh, in exchange for Kevin Knox and a first-round pick. And there's some other, you know, kind of slight pieces in there. But Cam Reddish was kind of one of the top dominoes right now in the NBA that everyone knew was going to get traded. Has some chops as a defensive forward. At least the idea is there that he's going to be a defensive-minded guy. Fine player, not great, 12 points a game, two and a half rebounds, uh, 40% field goal percentage, 37%, 38% from three below average uh, effective field goal percentage so but a young player still a lot of potential was a top 10 pick uh in the 2019 draft which is not that long ago you know that's that was pretty recent so the fact that Atlanta's is already giving up on him is a little bit of a red flag they didn't believe in him enough to want to pay him when his contract comes up and you look historically at his numbers he really hasn't gotten significantly better his three-point shooting is a lot better this year but he just has never developed into the guy i think they thought he was going to be coming out of duke
2: I think that's a, a red flag when it comes to to Reddish and maybe the Knicks turn him into a fine player, uh, you know, a salvageable player like uh, Cleveland has Do you done think they will? with Laurie Markkinen. <laughs> I kind of I'll bet against it, but I would I would really give it up a first round pick to grab a guy yeah. that the team that drafted him can't wait to move off him. Right. And let me tell you, when it comes to rookie deals in the NBA, Ben, and you know this because the the CBA has been set up this way for a while, you don't move off rookie Correct. deals. You sign them regardless. Yes, you basically can't lose by signing someone to a rookie extension because they are uh, it's a bargain. You are getting them at like, a reasonable rate. I don't it's, think the Jazz want to ever play Udoka as a booking. Like I really don't think
3: they want to play him, and they still picked up his player option because it's cheap money it 's yes. easy money to have him it 's the worst thing you can do is not pick it up because all that does is throw a red flag out to the rest of the league that this guy has no trade value, so you pick up his you pick up his option and even if you end up saddled with it like they did with Tony Bradley and they had to attach a second round pick to get rid of tony Bradley like at least you pick him up to preserve the concept that there might be some value there if you tell everyone we don't want him <laughs> get rid of him we're not even picking up his player option that's such a huge red flag and the jazz are smarter than that but yes trying to move on from cam reddish who's a young player who's going to be in the nba at least for the next five or six years you know like he's not going to bust out of sure. the league but to trade him before you even get to his rookie extension is is tough
2: we, uh, we talked about how conservative coaches are, and I, I think to a certain extent it applies to the front office, too. Ben, how many NBA teams out there love to move off potential All-Stars at a bargain rate? Correct. Or even take the chance at doing that. Right. The Jazz, and I, I don't know, people could disagree about this, I suppose, but the Jazz probably held on to the dream of Dante Exum. The Jazz longer. held on to the dream of Miyeoni, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, longer than I mean, they needed to. Because, but they can, correct? Because you're not paying. It's cheap money. It's cheap. It's 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 cheap money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's why uh, the the Jazz couldn't wait to give Donovan the max extension on his rookie deal because correct. even at that scale, correct, it's worth it. Right. And max or swindled a max extension for Ennis Cantor Freedom. out of the Thunder. Correct because there's not a lot of downside if the potential is even there. So if the Hawks look at Cam Reddish and go, we got to get off this guy, it means it's not looking good for him. And maybe the Knicks are the right fit. Uh, maybe, or maybe it's just you're, I doubt it.
3: you're rearranging deck chairs on two Titanics, which is the Hawks, who are fine, but they're not great, and the Knicks are certainly not great this year. And so they move off of Kevin Knox, who was kind of that same guy as Cam Reddish, who you drafted as potential right. and never developed, and we'll see what Cam Reddish turns into. What, the, the talking point here for me is that a first-round pick was included, so you've already introduced that back into trade conversations now. So if the Jazz want to make a trade— regardless of what it is, it's most likely going to have to include a first round pick. And look, I think the Jazz probably need to look at improving some of their perimeter defense. I do think that needs to be an angle for them if they want to legitimately say going into the playoffs that they feel like they're the best team possible to win a championship this year that they can be. And if they don't address some of their defensive shortcomings on the perimeter, I think it's going to be tough to make that sale and say that, in my opinion, they're better than the Suns or they're better than the Warriors. But it probably is going to cost a first round pick. And because you attach the first round pick to Derek Favors to get rid of him coming up in 2025 I can't remember honestly what the deal is, you can't trade another pick until X amount of years right. in the future so you're talking about like a 2026 or a 2028 draft pick before you can uh, move off of him So, but but it's probably going to cost the Jazz a, a first round pick if they want to improve their perimeter defense, I would suspect maybe you could do like a Joe Ingles for Robert Covington and a couple of second round picks but it's it's going to cost you some draft capital
2: which if you're pushing it all in. Who cares, right? Correct. Do we want to play this Donovan Mitchell sound? Uh, let's do it next. Do you want to do it next? I'm yeah. sorry. I teased
3: it, and then I no, asked no, Megan no. about movies, and she blanked us. Does she have an answer? Do you want to do that
2: next, or do you want to do that now? Did you write down do Donovan? top five? We could do Donovan at 11. Let's do that.
3: Okay, and we're going to, then to then do Megan's can, top five next. Megan's movies next. Well, we should just do this every... We should have Megan's top five regardless. Like, you could do... You could rank the characters from Breakfast Club like who's your favorite is it the weirdo goth kid the girl or is it fist pump <laughs> the trench coat like who's your favorite is it uh, Emilio we could talk about that but that's not what we're doing next but I'm just saying we could incorporate like every Wednesday or every Thursday Megan's top five which would be a fun thing to do for people to get to know Miracle Megan a little bit better
2: how about that we'll see see if we can get some programming done for it I'll talk to my people stay tuned more next Jacob at <laughs> 97.5 and 1280 The Zone
1: the sports you love. The teams you can't live without. sense Sector Urgency! This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. Ah!
2: five and 1280. The zone. Did you hear the dread in Megan's voice right there? Yeah, she, ben? she tells us. Are you us guys ready? Are you ready? Is the question? Yeah. Again, this is all about you, Megan. Megan is not looking forward Miracle to Megan Thursday segment. Apparently, we found out that Megan, at some point in her life, was in film school. Yeah. How? When was that?
1: Uh, right after high school. So 2010 to 2014. Did
3: you graduate? Did you graduate? Yes, okay. I did. <laughs> she freaked out when I answered that. You should have seen the look of panic on her face like she had been lying to her parents about graduating from college and then felt like she had to tell the truth on the radio, which I promise you, you never have to tell the truth about anything on the radio. <laughs> that this whole thing's a that's lie. That's the
2: truth. <laughs> uh, but was there a particular genre or something that drew you to the cinema?
3: Uh, Documentary filmmaking. Okay,
2: Okay. all right. Uh, So, what what do you want to do here? You want to do Megan's top five favorite movies? Is that what you were? Well, I I want you tried to nail her down to number one. Her top thing. Want want more depth? I don't want more depth.
3: That I was actually trying to give her a little bit of room to explore, so she didn't feel nailed down. Because I understand that on any given Thursday, which again these are miracle Megan Thursdays now, you can feel like you're being pigeonholed. And we're not trying to pigeonhole. We're trying to give her room to swim around and explore her personality on the radio. All right, so. You're giving Megan the latitude to do whatever. Whatever here. she just, wants to do. She can say number movies. one or she can say five go-to, basically we're playing Desert Island movies for uh, for Megan. Or if you want to do number one, that's fine. All right, Megan. No pressure. And you explain what you're doing. Are you doing number no one? Are you doing five? Desert Island. Um, let's do five. Okay. Okay. In no order or in order? Uh, no order. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sweet Home Um, Alabama. Okay. Jaws. Okay. Jurassic Park. Yeah. Super 8. Okay. A lot of Spielberg in there. Yeah, some Spielberg. Is that four? How many am I at?
2: That's four. That's four. That's
3: four. And then five. Can't Buy Me Love.
2: Okay. Wait, which one's that?
3: Patrick
1: Dempsey.
2: Is that Mixteamy? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen Sweet Home Alabama. I have not seen that one either. I've that, seen the other three.
3: So those are very Spielbergy, which yes. is very much not, I mean, it's a little Gen X-y, which you're pretending to be Gen X for some reason, because you're talking about the <laughs> worst John Hughes movies, not the <laughs> millennial movies being the best ones. So, but yeah, Spiel okay. I mean, Jaws is inarguably one of the greatest movies of all time. Jaws is perfect. Jaws is a perfect movie. Jake, do you want to take part in this, or you uh, you
2: got no interest in that?
1: Yeah, Jake. What's yours? <laughs> yeah, Jake.
3: Jake
2: well, and I are going to team up on you. My favorite movie of all time is probably mash the movie oh really? yeah, interesting uh that that you that's that's at the same time well, okay, on top of that ben i uh I don't know I like a lot of i, I love l a confidential I like film noir stuff yeah have you've ever seen l a confidential amazing yeah. amazing film um I don't know I'm, I used to be more passionate about movies yeah. Back when that seemed to matter, you know, back before kids. Uh I love Major League. I really do. Amazing, amazing easy <laughs> it's, to watch, it's like An easy throw I on. Watched it a million times when I was a kid. How about how about this favorite animated movie, Secret of Nim? Anybody else? I've seen Secret of Nim. Have you? I don't remember it very well. Mrs.
3: Frisbee. <laughs> I need to watch. How about the? Dark I need to watch Crystal? Mash again that's grim I need to watch MASH again and I've never seen Nashville which is the other kind of Robert Altman movie I've never seen it so uh, I watch
2: that. yeah MASH, MASH the movie is so much different than the TV show people don't, uh, don't realize and the movie came first yep and the movie was extraordinarily con- like controversial yeah. when it was released For it sure. was ba- banned by the US Army which is kind of interesting and the cast was much better. I know you're a big fan Colton of... Colton Chenoweth. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Says, if you guys haven't seen Prisoners with
3: Hugh Jackman, check it out. Top three movies. Which I love. That's such a random thing to throw out there. Which is hilarious. I'll tell you. Look, we had a trailer through uh, Young Frankenstein at us. Which, inarguably, I watched Young Frankenstein earlier this year. And it's just... It is so funny. I listened to a podcast about it and the guy said it didn't hold up. And I thought that might be one of the worst takes I've ever heard. Is saying Young Frankenstein. Doesn't hold up because it is hilarious every time you watch it. Yeah, Prisoners with Hugh Jackman
2: is grim. You talking about the 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 Showman guy?
3: Yes, or Wolverine, as most humans would say. But yeah, the Showman guy, Jake. Uh, no, Wolverine, Wolfman. Uh, it's grim. Jake Gyllenhaal, who my take is Jake Gyllenhaal is the best actor right now. he's like the if Jake Gyllenhaal is in a movie, I'm going to see it. It's my only appointment male actor right the, there. The
2: the bubble boy guy? Yeah, bubble boy boy.
3: Bubble boy guy. Yeah. Which underrated movie that I like, Donnie Darko,
2: which is one of his early movies. Alright, so do you want to contribute to this conversation, Ben? Your favorite
3: No, movies? I'm policing. I'm playing uh, judge, jury, and executioner here.
2: Your brother's listening. He can weigh in. He's an expert on the subject. I don't know what Joe's favorite movies are. I really have no idea.
3: He wouldn't do it. He's film schooly like Megan. He would you couldn't nail him down. You know what I saw recently? I liked Licorice Pizza. I liked it, if you haven't seen it.
2: Is that the one where uh, River Bradley Phoenix's Cooper brother it? is in love with his phone?
3: No. Nope. Okay. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. It has Bradley Cooper in it. It has girls from the band Hyam in it, if you know that band. Bradley Cooper? And it has the, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son as the star of it, actually. He's the, very good. Uh,
2: the A-Team guy, Bradley Cooper? The, the Yes. Okay.
3: Yes, from Wedding Crashers. He plays the jerk in Wedding at Cra- Wedding Crashers. Yes, he plays the jerk <laughs> brother-in-law in Wedding Crashers. But I do like all the weird things you're throwing at me, <laughs> like the a- 18 like remake. To pull. <laughs> uh, I never saw
2: the 18 remake, but I knew he was in it. I saw the 18 remake. It's great.
3: You guys want to throw movies at us? Throw movies at us. We'll ha- we'll take that conversation. We're not afraid to have that on a Thursday.
2: Uh, Larry tweets in. Uh, uh, the Departed is one of my favorites. And I, you and I both agreed it's not one of our favorites. It's not. But I think it's either that or Gangs of New York. Whichever one you saw first, you like better, because it's the same movie. You think it's the same movie? It is the same movie. Which I think you could make the same
3: argument with the Coen brothers, that all of their movies are kind of the same thing, with just different characters put in the place of this like triangle of like one person's trying to get this, that person thinks they're trying to get the other thing, and that person's trying to go back to the original point of the triangle.
2: All right, fine. But, but the, that's kind of how every movie But the works. only screenplay they've adapted right, was from the Odyssey, which every sure. story ever told is adapted sure. from. Correct. But I mean, like Fargo
3: and Big Lebowski, they're kind of all the same movie of like somebody chasing something who's chasing a different goal, and that third goal is actually going back to the first goal as well. It's just kind of a big circle. It's a hijinks, but it's it works. It's funny. It works. All
2: right. We got into As that. I say,
3: Megan knows this. Megan knows storytelling. What's the only story that's ever told? It's called, like a man comes to town. Isn't that what they teach you? That's kind of what every story is called or or how every story starts a man comes to town
2: sweet home alabama huh?
3: Reese,
1: <laughs> 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 not a fan of greece no
2: no reese reese, reese Witherspoon. Reese. oh the, reese, yes yeah the the gal that uh, yelled at the cop when she got a dy remember that tape <laughs> i don't she kind of pushed she kind of well actually she kind of went don't you know who i am one of those oh. kind of things to get out of it oh. it's kind of infamous there Probably not. But it does
3: things. have Ethan Embry going back to uh, Can't Hardly Wait, who's the star of Can't Hardly Wait, which would be one of my top five guilty pleasure movies. Should we play Donovan
2: Mitchell coming up next because yeah, we've lost we? everybody? Yeah, or you gone. can tweet at us. Let us know. Favorite movie. I got in a long debate still, once about the movie The Family Man with Nick Cage. Awful. Good movie or bad? Horrible movie. Megan? She loves that movie.
1: It's a great movie.
2: Uh, it's see, one of the, yeah, I was on the of just Oh, you want to
3: know what my favorite movie is? No question. It's A Wonderful Life. Unquestionably my favorite movie Really? Easily Easily my favorite movie You are a weird Christmas guy I do love Christmas But it's just It's a great movie Speaking of A Man Comes to Town
2: I mean that's The definition of A man comes to town Coming up next uh, We'll let you hear From uh, Donovan Mitchell When asked about Rudy Gobert last night Stay tuned 97.5 and 1280 The Zone
1: A gun in the face
3: Then all of a sudden They all kind of lined up They pointed their guns at me And this is the point Where I thought I'm going to die today